This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. Good morning. And this awesome happy Mother's Day, I want to share with you an article I had found. Never has there been such a time where there's more pressure on moms. Now, you know, we have this more education. There's so much social media that supposedly can help, but yet it's having a, a diverse effect to it. It's having this uh, pressure that moms are having. In fact, uh, this weekend, my wife and I were honored to, to be down in Chicago, and we have another grandbaby that's in this world, and just, in a, just an exciting time. And uh, yet it was, it was difficult in some ways because visitation part of it. Um, the hospital had all these different rules and guidelines. We couldn't even go into the hospital together. In fact, our um, John, our, our son-in-law, had to exit the um, hospital, and then one of us could be ushered in at a time. And then I, I watched how these other mothers who, who had given birth, um, they were like the, the nurses were wheelchairing them out so that their husbands were in their vehicle and picking at And I had this... You know, I, I've been around long enough where I have 19 grandkids, so I've, I've seen the right way of doing this, in my opinion, now the wrong way of doing this. And I remember the times where, you know, you, everybody just got in the hospital and, and just the, the, there was like a whole floor that's giving birth, right? And then the whole floor is just moving with energy and joy. And every family is just in tears and laughter. And there's just this, there's, there's, you see the balloons, you see the cards, you see the gifts, you see everything. I mean, you just can't, it's just a chart. It, it reminds me of a picture of heaven. Just like that's what heaven's gonna be like. And, and now it's like these, these mothers are like kind of going down and they're waiting to get in, ushered into their car. And of course I had this, I had this space outside of the hospital and I'm just going, congratulations. Congratulations, just trying to connect a moment while I was waiting to connect with my own daughter and my new uh, grandbaby, uh, um, Sophia Grace. And just, uh, and the, I, I want to just say this, and I'm, I'm really hoping that those of you in this room today and those of you that are watching could have this moment with your father in heaven like I had with my grandbaby. <clears throat> my grandbaby was um, being checked over when I got up there at this time and you know she'd already gone through the the obviously the time with uh great grandma and then grandma and then myself they um I I was um the last on the list but anyway I was uh, I had this moment and uh the she's being checked over and so she's cold and she's fussy and she's making all kinds of noise you know and I'm thinking oh, you know this isn't my I just not what I want to be my first moment you know but whatever and then they, they you know and they she wraps them up and and uh puts them in my arms and she just melted and then her eyes were wide awake and her and I were making this eye-to-eye contact I think man if everybody in this church could make that moment with their heavenly father and I heard one of our elders say this, her mother said this, I thought was so cool, that you know, our father in heaven is a father with the love of a mother. Now what a beautiful analogy 
of God, picture of who God is and having that space. And, and uh, you know, I'm just having this moment with my grandchild and I'm thinking that there's something eternal going on and that now there's a, a child that's in this world that's gonna live forever. I mean, forever. There's nothing that we can do on this earth that's forever other than bringing a child into this world. And no wonder God said, go, and my kids are doing this really well, <laughs> go and multiply, you know? And uh, so I'm just so excited and to even um, uh, give this message. This message is gonna help many of you that um, are struggling with insecurities, many of you that are, are uh, struggling with comparisons, I pray that God just takes a knife and just cuts away that. And that God can bring his love and his uniqueness into the space of your heart and realize that you are unique. And that every child is unique and that, that every child you can have that connection with and that space of, of time with. And, and if I try to compare myself with parenting or grandparenting with my wife, that the best I'm ever gonna get on my report card is a C. But it's better than a D that I used to be. And I'm thankful that I can grow and learn because I'm not gonna compare because see, I'm an A in God's eyes because I'm the best that God has made me to be and I'm not gifted in this space like my wife is and so I'm gonna be the best. And you as a mother, you're not to compare with any other mother. You're not to look at any other space that you're gonna be the best. I don't compare myself with any person but being the best that I can be because if I compare myself, I'm not gonna be the best that God has ever made me to be and that's all God wants of me is to be the best that I can be in him. I was given a gift, I'm gonna show it to you guys next week out of woodwork. And it's just, I mean, it's amazing. And it's a picture of Jesus carrying a cross. And I just, I go, I, if I looked at that, I go, I wouldn't even know where to, I mean, I know how to cut wood, okay? And uh, my sons and stuff now are going, wear your glasses, dad. So anyway, so I mean, I can cut wood and I can pull down trees with a chainsaw fast and I can wreck uh, vegetation with my tractor, even sometimes throwing the wife off of it. I can do a lot of crazy things, but what I'm not gifted at is unique in, in abilities like that man of craftsmanship. And I can honor it. I'm like, wow, look what God can do through one of his children. But I'm not gonna compare myself. I'm just gonna value that gift that God is in that man. Amen? No, nor should he go and compare himself with me when I can try to inspire people to be all that they can be. I'm not gonna, that's not, that's just what we need to be is everything that God's called. And today, I pray not just mothers, but especially mothers, that we can get loose from the nonsense of this world and get a, you know, attached to the, the, the God design that God has made us to be. And I hope some of us will laugh today, cry today. Uh, I, I pray that, but all of us in some way would get connected to the truth that would set all of us on the path today. October 24, 2017, I found this report, Pressures of Mom. Expectant moms are told any number of ways they should give birth, feed their baby, restructure their career, promote healthy attachment, and so on. Yet despite what every new mother should do, perhaps the most universal experience is guilt. 
According to a new survey commissioned by Time Magazine, 70% of the new moms polled said they felt pressured to parent a certain way, with the majority reporting disappointment or shame with how it was actually panning out. The findings were no surprise to Times' Claire Howarth, who authored the magazine's latest cover story, The Goddess Myth. While first watching friends embark on motherhood and then experiencing it for herself, Howarth was surprised to find what shame women had in their self-perceiving shortcomings as mothers. And although we now have more resources than ever before, including those illuminated at our fingertips during nighttime feedings, Howarth tells Muddley the reporting on her story seems suggested new moms have lower levels of confidence than the women of generations before. Motherhood and mothering have never been easy, of course, but a lot of the pressures are now new and growing more suffuse every day. Howard says, as I headed down the road of motherhood myself, I was struck by how much information I myself sought from the internet and how often it was conflicting or just simply wrong. And what images I absorbed of good mothers. We mothers aren't only ones putting pressures on ourselves. It isn't uncommon for a barista to comment on the caffeine in a pregnant woman's order or for the stranger in the supermarket to inquire on your labor plans. The majority of moms surveyed by time as well as the dozens of Holworth interviewed pointed to society in general as the main source of pressure followed by doctors and other mothers. Coupled with the beautiful image we see on social media and the glorified accounts of people in various internet forums even the smallest deviation from the correct course can feel like a failure. As Virginia nurse midwife told Holworth for the time story, the minute a person becomes pregnant, there's a notion that if you're not doing those kinds of things, you're not a good mother. Contributing to the problem is now how closely most of us guard our guilt. Rather than feeling free to admit that what's challenging to us or granting ourselves permission to take the approach that's best for our own families, we bottle it all up. Isn't it exactly the opposite what God says? Cast all your care upon him well I want to do the exact opposite of what social media is doing I want to take this moment if you're a mother with or without a spouse adopted mother foster mother you're you're a winner and God chooses to bring his eternal children in this world and nurture in this world through you so I'd like you to stand up at this time we want to give you a God applause amen come on stand up come on we can do better than that yay Yay! You're winners! Thank you! Thank you! Well, today, if you would open up your uh, Bibles, your smart device, to Genesis chapter 16, and then we're going to go into uh, chapter 18. We're going to talk about two mothers. Now, I know that in the Bible, they obviously didn't have social media, and they didn't have the, the, the unique things to overcome that we have. But you know what they had back in that time? They had comparisons because during the, the book of Genesis, we find that it wasn't like in the New Testament where it was supposed to be the husband of one wife. They had the husband of sometimes many wives. In this case, I'm going to talk about Abraham and the insecurity that uh, Sarah, his wonderful wife, had. Then there was pressures in the Bible days. In fact, sometimes, you know, we don't really read the Word of God the way in, in light of what we're going through today and we talk about how these pressures are in moms or maybe you, maybe you guys you can feel that same pressure in your workplace or whatever it might be but there's these pressures on 
And same thing in the Bible. Here's what happens. Sarah, she's getting older and older, and her husband is told a promise from God that he, as many as stars in the sea, as many as sand, you know, the, uh, the sand that's on his feet, all these little kernels, every, so shall your descendants be. And so he's, she's feeling this pressure not only to bear children because it's literally culturally um, correct to feel that pressure. You're supposed to bear children and that mothers were here to, to bear children. She's feeling that pressure, but she's also feeling the pressure. She's getting very old. Into that space now where she's not, she's so old that she's not even gonna bear children. So what happens is, and when she gets underneath that pressure, she starts making wrong decisions. And I wanna share the same thing, mom. Satan is doing the same tactic he did back in Genesis today. When you're feeling pressures from social media, you're feeling pressures from maybe your friends, or you're feeling pressures basically even from your own self, you're going to make poor decisions in your life, just like Sarah did. And we're going to capture these poor decisions found in Genesis chapter 16. And now before we even get through it all, there's always this great God that helps us recover. Amen? God can help us recover. And that's what I love about the Word of God. All right, because God is a God that helps us in these spaces of craziness. In Genesis 16, one through five, now Sarah, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Notice the poor decision here. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarah, with contempt. Then Sarah said to Abram, this is your fault. Isn't it all crazy what's going on here? This is your fault. I put my servant into your arms, and now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show you Who's wrong, you or me? So now I want to pick up with the same kind of crazy story. I mean, the Bible is full of craziness, amen? And God chose to include it. Now, I don't know about you, but many times when I'm sharing my stories, there I, I'd like to, I would like to be select. And I find that my kids remember all the ones I would like not to have as chapters in my stories. And they'll share. And in fact, it seems like they share all the stories that I would not want it to be shared. And the ones I would like shared, I'm like, why didn't you remember that one? Why, why isn't that one in there? Well, that was a short story, Dad. But anyway, so I mean, whatever it is, the point is, is that God chose to include, inspire us with truth, with the craziness, to help us through our own. Okay? In Genesis chapter 18, verse 1. The Lord appeared again to Abram near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. One day Abram was sitting at the entrance to his tent during the hottest part of the day. He looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. My Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. And since you, you're, you've honored your servant with this visit... Let me prepare your food to refresh you before you continue on your journey. All right, they said, do as you have said. So Abraham ran back to his tent and said to Sarah, hurry, get three large measures of your best flour, knead it into dough and make some bread. 
Then Abraham ran out to the herd and chose a tender calf and gave it to his servants who quickly prepared it. When the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and milk and the roasted meat and he served it to the men. And as they ate, Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees. Where, Sarah, where is Sarah, your wife? The visitor asked. She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of the men said, I will return to you about this time next year and your wife Sarah will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. I believe that there's a couple different reasons. One of them, because these, these visitors were not from this earth. They were from heaven, angels. I think that really was inquisitive. But I also thought that I think Sarah's always been trying to be, because she's a great counselor. She's always been a great helpmate to Abraham. Verse 11, Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time. And Sarah was long last past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure? Especially when my master, my husband is also old too. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord says, no, you did laugh. Now, what do we find in this um, storyline? We find ourselves in, we have Hagar and we have Sarah. And Sarah is feeling insecure. Sarah is feeling the space of fear in her life. Sarah is in this place of feeling inadequate. In fact, she's carried this on. In fact, here we are. I know it's only two chapters in the Bible, but we're about 11 years later. And so for 11 years, she has carried this. And she's wanted the pleasure of having a child, but at the same time, she feels that this pleasure is never going to be hers. And here comes this promise, obviously from beings that aren't of this world, and she's struggling, she laughs within herself. And you know what I find sometimes when we get uh, sarcastic, and I sometimes even share that with you know, my elders or whatever, sarcasm, really what it does is it's a, it's because we get nervous about it, it's an exposure of how we really feel. It pushes it down so we don't have to deal with the issue at hand. Okay? And so what's happening here is there's a sarcastic approach from Sarah, even though she knows it's wrong, but yet she presents it because it's literally a way of covering up. And now think about this. If we're struggling with, with raising our kids because there's so many comparisons. We're struggling with discipline because there's so many comparisons. We're struggling with how, how a child should come in this world because there's so many comparisons. And then we're struggling with you know, uh, how, how we look because again, so many comparisons. How our child looks, the, the, even to the point of, of the attire. And, and you know, I had this many balloons that, you know, in our thing, and, we had, and that, you had this many. You, and of course, the first year birthday, we had this many people invited, and this many people. So, I mean, there's this constant barrage of pressure. And when we get underneath that pressure, we realize from the Word of God, we start making bad decisions. That's what we're going to learn from the truth. Here is Sarah who loves the Lord, who has walked, and they have a wonderful marriage. And all of a sudden, we find this pressure inside the relationship about having children. And from that pressure, we start making 
bad decisions. And God includes this to us because he knows this about us. That's why the Bible says, cast all your care upon him. And many times we as grandparents or whatever, we're trying to help our kids and, and we're recognizing. I mean, my, my wife and I are always recognizing, going, man, we didn't have that on our life. We didn't have those pressures. And, if all the, and we marvel at how wonderfully and, you know, and, and attired our, our grand, I mean, I mean, my grandbaby, Sophia Grace, is just a beautiful little, I mean, cute as all get, a little bow. And, and I'm just looking at it going, but is, is my daughter feeling so much pressure in this space? Is there a comparison to, from all her other, even her siblings? Or is there a comparison to her friends? I'm not sure, but I want to speak to that today. Because God is speaking to us today through Abraham and Sarah. And Sarah, through this pressure, literally comes to a space and goes, I, I, I love Abraham and I love our marriage bad and I love it, but I can't seem to, to meet this particular need, so have Hagar. And Abraham, he's just going over there wanting to please his wife. He's not even hearing. He's not listening. He has no idea what's coming next if he does this. All right? And he comes in and falls into play instead of getting you know, saying, look, this is what God promised. This is God's plan. Let's not deviate from this space. And, and so for now 11 years, we find Sarah cultivating this insecurity cultivating this frustration on the inside. And I'm not sure how many of you in this room right now, whether it's being a mom or, or, or whatever, even being a child of God, that you're, you're literally cultivating a pressure of comparison and the pressures of what you feel Christianity is about or what you feel you're supposed to be as a, a spouse or what you feel you're supposed to be as a parent. But I'm here to share with you that today you can get set free. You can get in a place that this should be where we're born again. That God wants to do something new inside the space of your life. And that he wants you to live from the inside out. I'm watching this uh, teaching um, from Kyle Eidelman right now on the book of Galatians. It's just changed my perspective of Galatians in such a, a great way. This is all on, again, Right Now Media. And, and the thing he said about Galatians, I just, I just can't, get, I can't get it out of my heart. It, what he said, he goes, people, he, he, people, the book of Galatians was written for this purpose, that people were getting free but didn't know how to live free. And that what happened was, in fact, he had met this guy that, whose job is, is that people that have been incarcerated for many years, they struggle knowing how to live free. They get, they, they, get out of, they get out of jail, they get out of prison, but they don't know how to live out of prison. They still think like a prisoner, they still walk like a prisoner, they still, and that's what a lot of us Christians do. In fact, now with the media and everything else, it's putting a whole new prison on our lives. And that, that's never, that was never God's design, never God's perspective. And that if God had made, if, if God put so much beauty and uniqueness in a snowflake, they say that not one snowflake is like the other. And if God could take that much creativity and that much work into making every snowflake unique, how much more so for you? And why in the world would you even, can you imagine one snowflake complain, you know, comparing to the other one? So let's look in our study, God, if we could. Number one, insecurity 
will bring indecision and fear in your life. Doesn't this show us by what happened to Sarah? And by the way, I don't want to put Sarah down in any way. She is a God-fearing, godly woman. And yet she found herself underneath the pressure. I believe today, because of social media, there is more pressure today or similar pressure today that she was underneath. And that God included in his word to say, when people are feeling this pressure, this is the kind of wrong decisions that we can make. Number two, God designed you to do all the things unique in the child and their development. Now, Proverbs 22, six was a scripture promise that my wife and I had grabbed onto um, when we were uh, raising our children. And I wish I would have looked it up in the Amplified and got it inside of my heart much more than I did from the, I would just say from the King James, New King James, NIV, there wasn't NLT and there wasn't so many different versions to understand in, uh, when we were studying the Bible. But Proverbs 22, six in the Amplified translation, train up a child in the way he, and we'll say she, should go. Teaching him or her to seek God's wisdom and will for his abilities and talents. Even when he or she is old, he will not depart from it. Now, you know, in the King James, the New King James says, train up a child in the way they should go and they'll not depart from it when they get old. Now, I've heard so many parents quote that scripture, but that's not what that scripture says. What that scripture alludes to, train up a child to seek God on their own and find their own talents and gifts. And I, as a parent, and I know that many of you have done the same thing I'm wrong, so please listen to me right now. As a parent, I would spend endless times in thought, in word, in prayer, in care, in fear, in insecurities. What is that child's unique gift? And then I would try to develop that child and try to help that child see it. But that's not what that scripture says. Train a child to seek God. And they will see those gifts and talents. Now that is monumental difference. That is completely different. That's going from the pressure of a parent going, I got to, Lord, I got to know what this child, this child is so different. I got to help. I mean, the way, you know, where Tommy was growing up and in the way, he, how he reacted to the food and how he reacted to, you know, the toys and how he wants to crash into walls. Now Susie's over here. She's completely different. When I talk to Tommy, I have to literally talk to Tommy direct and with authoritative voice. Otherwise, Tommy just gets that smile on his face and sees what, how he can challenge me. And now I talk to Susie and all I got to do is look at her with just, you know, with just my eyes with directness and she just breaks down and starts crying. You know I mean? I got to completely. And so I put all that pressure on my life to figure out how to speak and how to talk and connect when I really, I really need to do is say, Tommy, let's, let's get in prayer and let's, let's seek God. And, and you go, well, Pastor Ron, they don't hear God's voice. Well, they're never going to do that if you don't continually create the space for it. So just get quiet with them and don't feel the pressure like Sarah did. My goodness, Sarah was promised a child for like 26 years. I believe that if we create the space, our job is not to be God. Our job is to create a space where God can be God. 
And so many times we're so busy doing the human things of life that those kids never can get in the garden where God can talk. Because we're doing it. I love it with my grandson. I said to you before, I think I was having this, I thought I was having this great moment with my grandson at McDonald's and we're talking about the Bible and we're talking about this and, and he's going to, he's us and he looks at me and he stands up and I thought he's going to say, Grandpa, that's so good. And he goes, stands up and goes, stop talking. <laughs> and so at that, we laugh about it, but it doesn't make me feel insecure. It doesn't make me, I'm not going to stop. I try to create a space where he can hear God. And I'm not going to quit because his humanism, part of him, doesn't understand that. Number three, feeling inadequate, by the way, I feel that often, is normal. It's what you do with it that can lead you to surrender to God or try to hide it from man. Sarah hit it. She says, hey, you know what? Maybe God can do something with Hagar. Number four, moms, here's how to cast your care and surrender. So I've kind of given you, this is not some recipe that you have to follow perfectly or anything. It's just, it's just a help, okay? All right? <clears throat> Number one, be open and honest with yourself and share it with God. Be open and honest and share it with God. 1 Samuel 15, 17, Samuel said, Although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. So stop trying to be the best in social media expression. Just say, God, there's no way I can compete with all this. And I, you know what? And you don't want me to. I'm going to be the best mom. I'm going to be the best you want and I can be in this space and right now I know that you can work and talk through my life number two cast your insecurity and allow him to lift you up if you don't cast off your insecurity he can't lift you up in 1 Peter 5 it says this humble yourself therefore underneath God's mighty hand and that he may lift you up in due time cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And by the way, we didn't take the time to go through um, in Genesis where uh, Sarah and Hagar had it out and, um, and Hagar is sent away. And we find Hagar so downcast, but she cast it all on God. And it's a beautiful storyline how God brings it all back into her life. Number five, insecurity will make you care what you look like on the outside how people see you and neglect the picture of God sees on the inside. Last scripture I want to read today, 1 Peter chapter 3. So many of us today aren't looking at the word of God for marriage. We're not looking at um, the word of God for our finances. By the way, I think our elders are doing a great job trying to help us in that. We're not looking at the word of God when it comes down to our raising our children, discipline. We're not looking at the word of God. And, and yet, because the word of God is so different. It's so different than the world. But isn't that what the Bible says it would be? So completely different. I mean, God says, given it shall be given back. And the world says, take all you can while you can. It's so different. 
And yet I believe many times what God's doing is he's giving us these directions. It says, you know what, train up a child in the way they should go. Wait what? In the way he should go or he should, she should go. Find out, get in the space and, and, and get into that awkward moment instead of going over there and try to create this best birthday party, your one-year-old, honestly, I, don't, I'm, I can't wait for my one-year-old grandchildren to say, do you remember your one-year-old birthday? You know who the only ones that remember it are? The parents that are competing next year to top it, the next one. These kids don't remember that. So what we gotta do is ask ourselves, what is so important? What is so important? And what we do is so we go and have this huge party so that we can feel secure that we're a good mom. So our mirror isn't at all God's word and looking into that child's eyes or looking into the word of God and mirroring what God wants us to be. Our mirror of who we are now becomes what social media tells us we are. And did we hit the marks that were expected? First Peter 3, quite a bit different than social media. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands. Subordinate not as inferior, but out of respect of the res- for the responsibilities entrusted to you, to your husbands and their accountability to God, and so partnering with them. So that even if some do not obey the word of God, they may be won over to Christ without discussion by the godly lives of your wives. When they see your modest and respectful behavior, together with your devotion and appreciation, love your husband, encourage him, and enjoy him as a blessing from God. Your adornment must be not be merely external, with interweaving and elaborate knotting of the hair and wearing gold jewelry or being superficially preoccupied with dressing in expensive clothes. Let it be the inner beauty of the hidden person of the heart, with imperishable quality and unfading charm of a gentle and a peaceful spirit, one that is calm, self-controlled, not over-anxious, but serene and spiritually mature, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands and adapting themselves to them, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, following him and having regard for him as head of their house, and calling him Lord. And you have become her daughters if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. That is, being respectful toward your husband, but not giving in to intimidation, nor allowing yourself to be led into sin, nor to be harmed. So here we have God's truth of adornment. Quite a bit different than social media. But yet it's truth. And so a child who can grow up in the space of what God wants it to be, is because we obey God. Say, God, that doesn't all make sense to me. It doesn't even, I I may not even understand, like it doesn't really make sense to me to give. But God, God, you asked, you put this test in front of me so that I would give out of trust. It doesn't make really sense to me to discipline my child the way the word of God says, but because I will do it as unto you, Lord, and because this is what you require of me, God, it doesn't make any sense to this, but inside I trust your ways are higher than mine and certainly social medias. And God, because I trust who you want me to be in the face of my marriage, and I, I see the things that are wrong with him, 
And yet you're asking me not to look so much at that space right now. You're looking at me so that I would be adorned to you, God, and that I would show by, my, by, by the way I commission my life and the way I bring my life into submission to you first, that my husband would see the leadership and the submission unto him and he would be convicted because as I am to him, he's supposed to be to God. And as he sees that order, he's gonna be broken and say, honey, you're showing me such a strong way. I'm broke. I'm broke. Thank you for that honor to God. Thank you for respecting me when I'm not respectful. Thank you for showing you know, that degree of value when I haven't given that degree up in front. Thank you for being God-like because the God-like in you is just, it's just kicking me. It's showing me who God is. Quite a bit different than social media. And so I challenge you today to, I, ins- I ask you to be inspired today, whether you're, uh, you know, you're a man in this room, a child in this room, whether you're a, uh, a great, you know, a mother in this room, or maybe you're longing to be an expectant mother in this room. I challenge you today, get in the space and let go of them insecurities. And some of those are because we put them on ourselves. I'll never forget the moment, probably one of my better moments I've had with my wife, and she's probably had much more of those with me. But I'll never forget us meeting at, um, I believe it was Russ's. And she was homeschooling. We had seven kids at home. She goes, I'm done, I'm done. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and she was just feeling, I think, the pressure. And I don't know if she was feeling the pressure for me. And she goes, and she goes you're not talking me back into it. Nope, not happening. I go, honey, can we just talk? We're, you, we can talk all we want, but I'm not going to talk back into it. You're not doing that. And just, <laughs> I'm not going to be. And she was feeling, I don't know where she was feeling, but she was so convicted in the inside, and yet she was so struggling on the outside. And if that's you this morning, I pray to God you could have this moment with Jesus right now. Because you can be so convicted on the inside, and yet so feel pressure on the outside, and it's good. something's got to go. And I remember we're sitting in Russ's and I go, honey, I'm not here to talk you into anything. I'm here just to listen. And if I haven't done that, I'm sorry. And so I think so many times that's what God wants. And that you're in this place where you just go, you know, I, I, you know that's what insecurity is. Cast all your care. You know what really anxiety is? It's many thoughts, not sorted got all these barrage of thinking all these things going on and there's no sorter and you know what singleness of mind is it's just singular you know it's like a shoot going in one direction it's simple that's what and god says that, that we're supposed to have you know that singleness of thought pretty hard to do in today's world when there's plurality of pressure would you please bow your heads close your eyes Father, by the presence of your Holy Spirit, I pray healing in this room right now. I pray courage and encouragement inside of every heart, especially towards moms right now. Those that struggling with having babies or maybe miscarriages or in the space of of maybe even having abortions, 
If there's one thing we read in your word, God, that when those pressures happen, we make poor decisions. Thank you, God, for your word that shows us that that's not the end, that making a poor decision doesn't define us, that Sarah still became and was included in the Bible as a, as a, a woman that was so cherished in your sight that it was, she was recorded as such. God, I'm so thankful for those places in my life where I've made huge, monumental mistakes. And yet, God, there you were at the cross. Come to me and lay it down. So if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're feeling just so much pressure to, to be or to, you're feeling this uh, uneasiness or confusion, whatever it might be. Today, Jesus Christ is present. He's on his throne, but he's on the throne because he went to a cross and he died for your sins. He died for those decisions that you've made, that you thought that there wasn't any way, hope, there wasn't any way over it. Jesus died for it. So if, if you would take this moment in your own hearts, whether you're watching this on TV or watching this smart device or you're here in the space of this audience right now, I want all of you from your heart to pray this prayer of surrender with me. Say, Father God, in Jesus' name, I receive your forgiveness. Here I am, Lord. I am all yours. I accept your forgiveness. I acknowledge your Lordship. In Jesus' name, I am all yours. Amen. Would you please stand up while we go to worship? I want you to be thinking about the message today. I want you to be having that mere time. Maybe you could have a moment like I had with my grandbaby, just eye to eye with Jesus. And that it's not what you could bring. My grandbaby can't bring anything to the table other than love. That's all you got to bring. Fix your eyes on Jesus right now. No matter what you're going through, bring that love and connect that love. And watch God's healing space of love come inside your heart. Respond to Him today. He adores you. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.